0: Hi! Welcome to my podcast, Traumatic Transformations, where we help you find hope, peace, and purpose after a big life change or a traumatic event. I'm your host, Gunjini Patel, and I'm a licensed mental health therapist, trauma specialist, and a neuroscience nerd. Join me as I dive deep into the resiliency, post-traumatic growth, and normalized mental health to reduce the stigma associated with it. In each episode, I plan to deliver science-backed, actionable tips and strategies so you can take back the control over your life and be inspired to be the best version of yourself with each day forward. So tune in every Tuesday for a featured guest and every Thursday for a solo episode with me, where we unpack mine body, brain, and spirit connections related to each episode with the featured guest. Just a quick disclaimer before we begin today. The purpose of this podcast is to inform you, educate you, and raise your awareness. It is not intended to replace any medical advice or professional help-seeking that you may need. So please use this information wisely, and any opinion that I cast is not to replace any medical advice. And quickly, before we start today, I just wanted to ask you a favor. If you like what you hear today, don't forget to subscribe so you never have to miss an episode. Thank you so much. And if you rate and review, it would really help us with the algorithm so people can easily search the show if they would like. So I would really love to hear your feedback and what you have to say uh, so I can bring you the content that's most fit for you. Thank you so much. Hi, welcome to Traumatic Transformations. So today we have with us John Michael Lander. He has battled with finding his true and authentic self. As an elite athlete, um, he endured sexual abuse at the hands of his coach, medical team, and benefactors, which resulted in years of PTSD, depression, anxiety, and even suicide attempts, while maintaining a functioning exterior facade. He thought he could handle it all on his own and never told anyone. He also competed in international springboard and platform diving competitions. He has appeared on Drengell Hospital, All of My Children, National Commercials, and led in the independent film, All the Rage, and originated many roles on New York stages. So I really welcome you. And we are so honored to have you on here today, John, speaking about your journey and how now you have done all these things in the past few years to make an impact and not just survive your experience, but thrive from it. And that's exactly what we are about on Traumatic Transformations is raising mental health awareness, talking about topics that are taboo and stigma so we can together collectively as a nation reduce the stigma associated with some of the topics that happens day in and day out with people but do not get discussed enough. So together we can reduce the mental stigma associated with all these mental health awareness stuff that happens around our lives and um, make a better nation. So thank you for being here.
1: Good, Johnny. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's an honor to speak with someone of your intelligence and what you're doing and everything that you're about. And um, speaking with you that one day, I was like, oh my God, I have to talk to this woman.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It was so, such a, so my pleasure to find you on one of the groups that we did and, you know, to see that, um, see the impact that you are now making. So I had to have you. This is absolutely an important topic. um, And your life, um, uh, in terms of the sexual trauma that you've been through, Um, it's a topic very close to my heart. And I find myself specializing in depression, anxiety, and trauma. And 90% of my practice entails sexual abuse. Not that I advertise myself out there for specialist in sexual abuse, but I find that 90% of my patients, when I sit with them to process their past trauma related, whether it was sexual abuse or other things, it comes up at some point of their lives as they're processing other events and other traumatic incidents in their life. So it's so important to me that we discuss this because it's happening all around us. People suffer and go through tumultuous m- mental health Um ailments because of it and the re- the way we carry it in our bodies and, you know, the whole mind-body-brain connection related to trauma. So um, it's really important that we discuss this, and I want to hear all about your experience and your story. So would you be so kind to sort of kind of, um, you know, give us uh, your journey and the beginning part of your journey?
1: Sure. Tell uh, us all about you. I-, I grew up in Southwest Ohio mm-hmm. on a farm. Mm-hmm and i uh, i somehow stumbled onto sp- springboard diving it was it's crazy i don't re- really remember how it happened i was at a, a pool one day doing flips on the ground and the co and, and, and a lifeguard said hey try that off the board and blah blah next thing i know i'm you know competing nice So uh, what happened is it happened very quickly for me i started like when i was 12 and by the p- time i was 15 i was going to the nationals wow so it's real, real thing happening and um at, 15 I went to the junior Olympics and took eighth in the nation, and all of a sudden I started getting people to notice me. Mm. And the coaches started to be more interested. And so, but the problem was my family was very poor. Mm. So they were, we were struggling, you know, one I was one of six, struggling yeah. every day to make ends meet. Right. And such an expensive sport was not gonna happen, I don't think it was going to. But a lawyer had read about me in a newspaper met with my mother. They had talked. And the next thing I know, I meet him and everything is set up. He wow. has other professionals that were going to help don't help my diving expenses, but there was a catch. Mm-hmm. I was the catch. Ugh. So what would happen is they would take me out to dinner and everything, and I would have to follow and do everything that they tell me to do. So basically they were passing me off to everybody at the same time my coach started noticing me and started really paying attention and he was pretty young he was in at like 26 years old at the time and it was his first chance to make a Mm. mark he had already made a couple of national champions so he says well i'll I'll help him but what i didn't know is that the lawyer and the coach I had privately met Mm. so the the lawyer started to give the coach more money to pay more attention to me so he started his grooming process with me whispering in my ear, telling me my corrections and not in front of everybody else. And this whole grooming thing, he started taking me up to Ohio State University to practice with the team there, overnight trips with them, and I would have to stay with him. And so he started his gosh, it's hard to even say that, but his so you had the professionals that were passing me around and then you had the coach mm-hmm. doing his bidding. But the coach had done it, had, had groomed me so well that I thought he really liked me. Mm. So that time I'm 15 and 16, I have no idea, you know, Absolutely. yeah, I like girls, but you like me. So am I, and so my, I was so confused. And right. um, so I fell as pray. If you want to say that, I hate the word pray. Cause I think that that is such a negative word right? and it's not really what it is. But it, it's what happens. And, and these situations in the sport of diving, we have a small nucleus. The group of people is really small. So ha- you've got this whole world, and then you got this small group. And we have rules within the sport that we have to follow. So mm-hmm. they set this up. So it becomes a norm, normal thing. So mm-hmm. what I was experienced. I'd say, hey, does the coach touch you like that to some of the other divers? Oh, yeah, he touches everybody that way. No big deal. So wow. So that's normal. But when he started taking me out for dinner and started taking me, you know, um, to Ohio State University to practice with the team, and it was just he and I, hmm. he, would get alcohol, he would get, you know, drunk, and then we could always joke about it was because we were drunk. It right. Didn't happen. Right.
0: Um,
1: but there was always the threat that my my financial situation would be taken away if anyone ever found out. Yeah. And that nobody would ever believe me anyway because of who he was, his reputation. He was an All-American. He Everyone knew him. Everyone liked him. Um, and the funny thing about the whole thing is that he groomed my mother first, mm. if that makes sense. So if we roll back the whole thing,
0: right.
1: he became very good friends with my mother, flirted with her, and she was like a little schoolgirl around him all the time. and. And he would tell my mother, these are the stipulations that will have to happen. We will have to do this, we will have to do this, and and you have to stay out of his life. He's got to focus if he wants to go to the Olympics and get a scholarship. And so everything was focused on that. And at that whole year, when I was turning 16, I had already qualified for the Norway Cup and the Canadian Cup. Mm. So he was preparing me for that, but the whole time professionals are not just helping me but they're helping the family Mm. all medical all anything that was happening was given to my parents for free Mm. my sister had a horrible sledding accident and had scarred her chin they were giving her plastic surgery Mm. free of charge but what nobody knew was this was happening over here on the side it was not for free
0: so what wow that is pretty intense and heavy and I have I have my own story and my experience around that. Um, and, you know, now I help people and pay it forward. Um, but so what what is the message that you would have for the parents of athletes? Because, you know, that is huge in terms of um, just uh, the the athletic world and the sports and, you know, all the things that happen um, as the kids are growing up. So what message would you have for the parents and for the kids going through it um, from both perspectives as
1: you lived it? Well, I think we're just at the peak of starting to understand what the athletic world is really like. Um, I, I was able to be on the discussion group for the Netflix film, Athlete A, which was about the gymnast, and mm-hmm. NASA and the U.S. Mm-hmm. gymnastics team and all that issues. And that brought some light. But mm-hmm. I was the only male. Mm-hmm. But all the other discuss people on the discussion panel were female. And then also when this whole thing with Ohio State came up with Dr. Strasser, who I was one of his victims. Mm-hmm. And I was brought in to talk about it. But my story was thrown out the window because I was still a high school student when this was happening. So I was underage. Hmm. And they were only looking for stories of students going to Ohio State University at the time.
0: Well, this is exactly why we have you here, because huh? this normally happens during the teenage years I've seen, or during the, you know, very young years of life. And there's a reason why one of the very, um, uh, you know, leading um, researchers in the field of trauma, his name is called, uh, his name is Bessel Kolk, And he's an MD. And he he's, I think, in the not in the next DSM, but the DSM after that, whatever, whichever DSM comes next, he's really making it very, like marching very forward to, um, you know, talk about the developmental and childhood trauma and the effects of that on our brain growing up. And why that you know that's not that's not been of importance, and now we're seeing that more and more evolving that that body of research. So I really want to hear your take on that. As in, you know, a that you're a male because this can't happen to male in our society, okay. you know, um, because males are, men are just supposed to take care of themselves. And right. in my practice, I'm blessed to work with, both with males and females. And I he, the, there's gender. For me, um, whatever gender people are associated with them has not been one of the reasons that holds them back or, you know, that that causes less of sexual trauma in their lives because of the gender. So um, can we please talk about that?
1: Yes, yes. And and getting back, and then maybe we can wrap it back to what we talked about with the parents and everything. Um, It's true. Uh, Teenagers' minds are not Completely developed at this time, and we think that we are. We think that we can handle it and, and all that, but we're not. And so, when someone of power or in a, a position of authority, mm-hmm. and and what is the rule now? Even if it's five years older mm-hmm. than the person, mm-hmm. it is considered abuse, sexual yes. abuse. Yeah. And so, anytime an adult takes advantage of a child, even if they say that the child wanted it, right, the child is not in the right. place. never wants mind. it. That yes. Although the sad thing about it, which is frustrating, is that as a teenager, the wind blows and our hormones go crazy. Oh, so absolutely. when someone touches us, it doesn't matter if it's a man, in a certain way, your body is going to react. Yes. And that makes it even more confusing right. for the teenager. And, and, and unfortunately for the predator or the older person, right. they have one agenda. Yes. They're not concerned about the child. Right. Concerned about what they're after. And Absolutely. I remember many times sitting there thinking, aren't you going to ask me if I'm okay? <sighs> and they're not. They yes. don't.
0: If they were, they wouldn't be coming back for more.
1: Exactly. They got what they wanted. And that hope brings up a whole another thing that I would love to talk to you again sometime. Absolutely. It is about the prostitution, uh, sex trafficking, and oh. all that. Because I, I just came across a whole interesting thing about that, but let's get back to this. Yes, I'm, yes, yes.
0: <laughs> I could talk to you forever, John, but we have 45 minutes and I want to make this very, you know, deep and rich right. related to this because it's really important that we discuss
1: this. So the stigma of males is very, very, very crazy. Yes. We, masculinity as being, we have to be tough and strong. We can't let anybody take advantage of us. Um, The myth that males can't be raped is a really big one. And we all believe it. We all do. And even within our own subcultures, we have our own beliefs and stigmas of what a man is supposed to be.
0: And, uh, and 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 a lot. I want to while you're on this, and it and really tunes around to the fact that males can take care of themselves. So what if they're only four or five? You know, um, the 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 idea or the subconscious message that our society has um, is that you know no matter how old you are, if you're a male, then you can take care of yourself. You'll 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 come up to us and let us know if something happens. As opposed to if the if it's a female, then we need to protect her more. Um, I think that's. The, the subconscious um, idea that we have in terms of parenting, in terms of just the gender, the roles, the the uh, the way we interpret and internalize, you know, masculinity and feminism.
1: Correct. And I also think that a lot of people have no idea that a male can be vulnerable. Vulnerable. Yes. Yeah. And how sex with a male, can, two men, can be very violent. And people don't take that in consideration because we are we are brought up as saying, you know, everybody takes advantage of the girls. That is our, our sigma and our belief. Girls are taught not to have a voice, right? We're taught taught to do what they're told, especially if are a man, all yeah. that all that craziness. Yep. So that's really important. And what happens is that as a male, when something like this happens to us, first of all, shame comes in.
0: Oh, absolutely!
1: I wasn't strong enough. I wasn't man enough to protect myself. No one's going to ever think that I'm even able to take care of myself. Um, two, the embarrassment of it. Yes. Because there's a part of your body that likes it, no yeah. matter who it is that touches you. Yeah. Your body responded and oh my gosh, that kind of feels good. And oh my god, does that mean that I'm gay? Does that mean I'm straight? What What does this mean? What is all these things about? So there's that. Um, and then there's this whole thing that if anybody ever finds out, there's the shame for the family.
0: Right. Well,
1: yeah. My parents, if they find out that I did this or this happened or whatever. You know, yes. think parents were good parents yes. or something. So there's this whole, whole, whole.
0: There is so much complexity associated with this entire experience. So my goal and my idea through this is not that... A, I hope it doesn't happen ever again. That would be an ideal goal, you know, before I die. But uh, the, the this baby step towards this would be that if it happens, if this, while you are, you know, listening and tuned in, if you find yourself being triggered or at, at, at any point of your life, if you find that this is triggering to you, because one of the things that I've learned about sexual abuse or any kind of traumatic event is that, you know, if we don't learn to deal with it or, um, you know, make peace with it 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 compounds and it gets worse over time. And I think that's the part that people don't tend to realize um, in terms of the, you know, thriving life that you can still have after a traumatic incident. It's like, you know, the longer you wait, the longer it stays in you and the longer, it, you know, uh, causes havoc in your body, your brain, your mind and everything and your spirit. So I, I think it's really important that, you know, we address the, this topic, not just to reduce the trauma, but also to you know to to do something and work through it it's like yes the families goes goes through it but how can we work together be supportive towards the person that this happened with as opposed to this happened to and how can we empower them and uplift them to now live a better life that they deserve to live and whatever it is that they need from this experience to overcome it
1: Great, yeah I, I, that's a great idea I, I'm working on a program called SOS, which is um, uh, Supporters of Our Survivors. Oh, wow. The people who are trying to help the people who have been abused, because I think sometimes we forget that it's affecting them. And there are very few programs that addresses how do you listen to someone who's going through one of these meltdowns? Absolutely. I tell you. Happen even after you've gone through therapy, you could be doing something, all of a sudden another layer is open, and there you are again melting yes. down. Yeah, non-stop. Yep. Sexual abuse to a child is a long-term recovery process. Yes. It's a process that will take them for the rest of their lives to deal with it. And it is not something that heals. And I and I really was not very liked when I said to the legymnist. Larry yeah. so when i said okay larry nasser is now put in jail that's yeah. celebrate great great yeah but now you guys now have a long journey of healing yourself oh absolutely it's over for you absolutely because society thinks that since we put him away everybody should be okay no,
0: that's just the beginning. That, yeah. that is just the beginning of the journey. Yeah. And it's a very long, tumultuous road ahead because, you know, when the, the, the scars you cause yourself when you're younger are much deeper and etched, you know, so much more than when when it happens later in life. And of course, I'm not saying um, it, it's okay that it happens later in life, but, you know, it's, it's, it's deep. It takes a long path uh, ahead. And it can happen. Um, I might have to disagree with you on the healing process. But I, I have, I think that healing can happen. But it just takes time, a lot of work, a lot of different, you know, methods and holistic approaches to get through to a place where you completely can be in a place where you don't have any emotional charge associated with it, where you don't find yourself to be a victim, but a survivor and can impact other people's lives as a result of your experience.
1: I, I, I like to think that I really do. <laughs> um, and I really believe that. And everybody please yeah. I really want you to believe that as well. Yeah. Uh, I am still dealing with residues. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I would probably do that for the rest of my life because of what I went through.
0: Absolutely. What is after and they the- do each person's, their journey is their yeah. own. So I can't just be like, it's like this for everybody. Uh, it I absolutely could. isn't. So and I don't want to discount your. What uh, I
1: think you've uh, got to be because... careful about is repeating the patterns. Yes. You know? And especially at teenagers, there has been studies that show that once the, the abuse happens, and if it happens more than once at the same in the same age range, mm. we will get stuck at that age period. Oh yeah. That, that that's makes sense and, and we will not be able to move forward, although we age older. Yes. We are stuck in that mentality. And oh, I think yeah. that's what happens with a lot of our pedophiles who mm-hmm. and go out and ab- abuse young children mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. they're stuck at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, They have no reason why they don't know. They may not remember anything, yes. but that's where they're at. And it's really takes a lot of responsibility and, yes. and, and honesty to say, hey, wait a minute, I need help.
0: Yes, yeah. yes,
1: yes. Um, I think also if you don't get help and talk to people or even just start this
0: to- what did help look like for you?
1: What does help look like for me?
0: Yeah, like what did that what was that start? Like what, what no. was that point of your life was like where you were like you know what, now I'm ready or I need to do something or whatever it is that you did to now have been like writing, you know, having these right. TED Talks and speeches and, you know, the programs and the books that you've written. I want to talk about that part now.
1: Oh, great. <laughs> I, think the car, the, the, I can even say the word now, the, the, uh, whatever, the, the moment. Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I can't believe I can't speak today. That's anyway, okay. was I was teaching high school mm. English. Mm. for seven years at, a, at the High School for the Arts in downtown Dayton. And I was teaching sophomore and senior English. And I was being triggered without realizing it because that was the age that I was going through. Yes. Uh, and, the gold medal. Yeah. and I had a young man come up to me one, uh, one day and said, can I talk to you? Sure. He says, um, I have a boyfriend. And I was like, oh, okay, no big deal. And he says, yeah, he's 35. Red flag. Mm. Oh, oh, okay. And, and, and we're sexual red flag. All right. Well, you know, my mom and my, my grandmother are all okay with it. Another red flag. Mm. And I said, look, you know, I'm going to have to tell the principal about this. He says, it's okay. They know said, and I said, why are you seeing this person? He takes care of the bills and the groceries for the family. Another red flag. Yeah. So went to talk to the assistant principal and all she said to me is, yeah, yeah, yeah. We know there's nothing that can be done because the mother and the grandmother are aware okay. of it. Mm. I said, what? One, well, if this was a young girl, we would be all over,
0: all it. over it. Yep, absolutely. Since it was a boy.
1: Yeah. He was gay. Yeah. We'll, we'll just push it over here and hide it. Right. So, uh, yeah. I, and, and so what happened is that started triggering this whole unveiling to myself and, and, and moments of going through depression. I started yeah. going through thoughts. And then one day I got up and I, I wrote a note to my partner. I said goodbye to my Boston Terriers and I went to the garage and I started the car up. Yeah. And as I was sitting there inhaling the, the exhaust fumes, I know this, everybody, it's so cliche, but I heard this voice say, it is not fair. For Nathan to find you like this yes if you're going to do this go somewhere way far away nobody else can find you don't mm-hmm. let him come home and find you this way it just you back inside and I did and then I just like kind of fell on the floor and cried and you know one of those really uh, I'm talking about
0: yep <laughs> yep oh that has to happen because at some point you have to let it out yes
1: and I finally stood up and I said no more yes break my silence and I'm going to share something. So I started writing I, I had been t- going to therapy for a while anyway yeah. and I had taking notes so I, I wrote the first book and, mm-hmm. and submitted it. Of course it was re- rejected by so many places. Of course until, because it was a male and this just
0: know, goes to show how much stigma there is associated with mental health male. In first layer, second, mental health, male and sexual abuse. Second layer, mental health, male and homosexuality.
1: And so third layer, child, adult. Absolutely. Yep. They don't want anything Nothing like that. Yep. that because that happen.
0: doesn't happen. Let's all live in denial. That clock, oh. you know, saves lives. And then we wonder why coronavirus deaths are not oh. as high as suicides in this year. I mean, right. the suicide that's been happening for so many years, and that's one of the biggest reasons why, you know, you know, we don't talk about hard subjects like suicide. We don't talk about hard subjects like sexual abuse. We don't talk about hard subjects like postpartum depression. There is a reason why people die. If yes. the, I, the misconception is if we talk about it, it'll make them do certain things. They're already doing certain things. If you don't talk about it, they will take the wrong step in the wrong direction.
1: You're right. And that's You're my passion
0: right. and my gripe.
1: And I'm, I'm right there behind you and I support you on that. And that, that opens up a whole nother whole thing about, you know, I think there could be a connection between the suicides and the sexual abuse. Oh, absolutely. Especially within the male community, because we cannot talk about it. We cannot share it. it it's a disgrace. We don't
0: know how to share it. Exactly. At that point will be um, like you said earlier. The shame,
1: it just comes out, and, and it's going to come out some way. Yep. All right, there's several ways it can come out. I, I'm not going to say it's A, B, C, or D because we don't know. Each person, know. it's different. Nope. Nope. But for some people, I don't understand why I, I never became violent. I never acted out. I right. in, in ways of like such of drugs or are hurting people or are, are robbing anything. I never did that. I was more right. almost completely the opposite.
0: Yeah. And
1: so I knew other people who were sexually abused, who got you know addicted to drugs, who were in and out of the jail, who was all constantly acting out all that
0: anger built oh. up and displaced in wrong places because we haven't as society figured out a way to a address it, B to help man men channel that anger into a place of healing and, you know, a peace, uh, in order to channel that anger into a place of wisdom and, you know, forgiveness. And there are so many nuances that are associated with anger that are, you know, it's like the, I, I, the way I like to put it is anger is just the tip of the iceberg. It's the most primary emotion that we feel, but underneath anger, there is so much pain, so much disappointment, so much betrayal, so much shame, so much guilt, so much fear, so if there are all these heavy, strong emotions that we don't because I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a very emotionally intelligent environment. I learned all that later as a part of my healing journey, you know? And what I mean what I mean by emotional intelligence is being aware of your emotions, being aware of your big feelings, being aware of being able to manage how to have managed those big feelings when they do arise, because the more we suppress it and, you know, keep it in or push it under the rug, the more it comes up. It's like a pressure cooker. If we keep things in, it keeps coming up at some way of, way of uh, at some point of your life and uh, and uh, other with other things. So it really, really, really we I, I think I, I, I feel very passionate about being able to discuss that anger, being able to dis- discuss hard emotions that come up and knowing what to do with it when they do. Because You're most right. don't learn that through, you
1: know. Remember, uh, men are not supposed to talk about their feelings. Exactly. have been taught about that. And, and watch, just look at anywhere, our politics, watch yep. how our male politicians act. It's <laughs> out of anger. And they can't talk about feelings. So, and that's another thing. And when, when we find out that when you start talking about your feelings, there's this power underneath there Yeah. and the more power you can have for your own self, the more you can change the world. Yes. But it has to be in tune with who you are. And I think the thing that really lit my mind when I started talking, I started talking to my mother again, my father had passed away. Mm-hmm. And she, she told me that my father was abused as an altar boy mm-hmm. when he was in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was like, but 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 he always made fun of me and she says that's because you reminded him yeah laugh at that time <sighs>
0: And the intergenerational part of the trauma, I mean, I am so fascinated by epigenetics. And, you know, I really think that at some point we have to break the cycle of trauma and PTSD and depression and anxiety and all of that comes as, whether we like it or not, it's etched in our genes. When we get, when we are traumatized, we have, you know, there are biochemical signals and messages going from our body all the way up to our brain, changing it. The good news is that through therapy, through work, through all this healing, you're, you know, through neurogenesis and neuroplasticity, which you can make those changes to your brain and bring it back to, you know, um, its thriving capacity. But in the meantime, there's all of these things going on that, that needs to be addressed, that needs to be changed, that needs to be... I, I, I find it very imperative that if you want to live your best life or if you want to you know thrive in your life and be the better version of yourself and continue to self-improve throughout your life, it's really important that we look at some of these big feelings, look at some of these traumatic events, look at some of these things that has happened with us, address it. I'm not saying go out there and put plaster on your social media and you know give us a daily update on what's happening but it's important that you deal with it somehow someplace in a safe non-judgmental environment so you can begin your healing journey so that you can be a better person and be a better better and collectively we can all be a whole as a society you know
1: amen i believe that too that's incredible (laughs) coming back to all these different questions we got flying around that's one of the things i think also if if parents are looking to help their children, yes. I think parents need to go back and reflect on their own life to see if there is any abuse there that happened to them and be honest with yourself about it. Like you said, it doesn't mean you have to go out and shout it to the world. Right. You don't have to write a book. You right. don't have to do anything. But you and your therapist or whoever's helping you, you have to be honest with it because what's happening is you are subliminally, is that the right word Yes, to say? yes, yes, yes. Passing it on to your child.
0: Absolutely. My
1: father's fear was was being passed on to me. And I really do believe that. And so when all these things start happening, you're you're already prepped.
0: Right. Right.
1: You know, if you really parents, if you really want to help your children, make sure you are clear yourself.
0: And one of the other things as parents, I find, too, is that being open to deal with these hard feelings, when they do come up because i think we don't know how to deal with it so we don't want to hear it and we don't want to speak about it i think that's that's that that happens a lot and that's a big problem because Let's say if your child comes to you and you don't know what to deal with it, and you or yourself are designed because you know, one of the things um, that happened in the female sexual abuse part of my journey, and you know, some of the people that I followed over the years, one of the biggest lessons. So, when I was in North Dakota, um, we had this male speaker come in because his sister was abused as a child, and I, I think she was also in her teen years and she was abused, and you know, um, she died because of it. So, he made it the mission of his life to go out there and spread word about, you know, no means no about sexual touch and about, you know, male on proms, like asking uh, women as it is okay to, you know, touch you before and asking for permission and all of those things. And one of the important parts that he mentioned was educating all of us around it so that You know, um, we we can we know what to do with it. But one of the one of the constant messages that I get from males who are raising girls or little girls um, is, you know, the narrative that they have is if somebody touches my little girl, I'm going to go out there and kill her, kill him, kill whoever. And so as a child, what happens is that if something does happen, guess who she's not going to go to.
1: Not trying to laugh, but you're absolutely right. I'm laughing at the irony of it because it is.
0: I want to make this fun and light because it's like the topic isn't funny, but it's not, you know, it's just, it's true. This is what happens.
1: It is so true. And I saw that happen with my sister. Because, yeah, again, my dad was like, anybody touch my you know I mean yep, my dad yep. was he would put his hand through the the, the wall you know and yep, yep, and, yep. and, and mostmel, like, I have
0: my gun ready. I, I'm gonna go back exactly. him yes. up and yes. it's well, like okay son- if something I happens to that. her, she's not coming to you, she's not coming to you no. so at least if she's not coming to you, have other place, places and people put in place to educate her and warn her and help her before something happens because we obviously we don't want our children to go through it. but guess what? nobody does. People right, exactly. just go through it.
1: Exactly. And another thing I think we need to do as parents towards children is to stop putting the responsibility on the child to heal. Right. Not have to help that child. Absolutely. Not the child's fault. The child wasn't sure what was going on, even if right. they thought they were in right. compliance with it. Does a 15-year-old know what compliance means? Right. No. <laughs>
0: Doesn't you know the prefrontal part of our brain doesn't develop till we're twenty seven years old. Yes. So when people say in, at twenty years old, what am I going to be when I grow up? Uh, yeah, you have seven more years to completely develop and figure that out. Uh, which is the uh, learning, think- decision making, the judgment, all of the that part of our brain where perception happens. It doesn't completely develop till much later in life.
1: And it, I do think males might be later than that. We yeah. are slower. Newer females are and i think that's really true i mean we had a situation here in town where a substitute female teacher sexual had sex with three sophomore boys mm. brought up in trial
0: oh yeah 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 i remember that
1: the boys wrote letters for the woman yeah in defense of her saying you helped our child become a man wow Way to go. But, you know, at the time, and, and it wasn't until the boys started talking to all their friends at school about having sex with the substitute teacher. It was this-
0: cool in the beginning, but it's not so cool later.
1: <laughs> right. Because they don't understand. And that's what I, I really, it might be, you could pat yourself on the back, your, 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 your pals can pat you on the back, but were you ready? Seriously? Right. Because later on, it's coming back.
0: Exactly. And, you know, to me, traumatic things are. In, in the way I have learned and experienced trauma is that trauma lies in the eye of the beholder. So there is big T and there is small T. So big T is like, you know, what n- people normally think the PTSD symptoms and triggers are if you lose it, let that, if you lose your loved ones to death, or, you know, if there is violent crime or if there's sexual crime or trauma, then it's PTSD. But if it's anything else, then, you know, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not traumatic. But in my head or in in my experience and in my, in the literature that I've studied over the times and, you know, 10 plus years of working in the field of trauma, I think it really is important to emphasize that it lies in the eye of a beholder. So the, your traumatic experience might not be exactly the same as mine was. So it's really important to help people, you know, um, notice what they're going through and, you know, uh, be empathetic towards their journey and their individuality of that experience.
1: Right. I agree with you. And I also just want to throw out there as the person who's experienced these traumatic experiences, you have to be willing to want to change and yes. get help. Absolutely. Because you can allow yourself to fall into that that depression, which is almost just as addictive as the euphoric high of feeling great about something. I think they're really close. The mm-hmm. endorphins are set off on both times, so you could become stuck in that. If you've ever known anybody who all they talked about is how woe is me and this is just horrible and uh, my life, I barely make it. You know, yeah. I just a friend and I talked to her. She wants to write this book, but um, the editor keeps stringing her along. she right. She's writing about breast cancer, and but she had been abused when she was a, a teenager. Mm. But everything was so negative instead of saying, "Oh my God, you have a publisher interested in you." Right before it's not going to happen because I'm barely making it through the week. And so she's stuck in this world. Have you talked to anybody to get help? No, no. It's it happened a long time ago. It's not important. now.
0: Exactly. Bam, she's stuck. Yep. Yep. Stuck yep. And, I, and what you were saying earlier, I really believe that whenever certain things happen, that if it still causes us emotional charge or distress or pain, we're not over it. And if right. you're not over it, then some parts of you stay back there in terms of we do a a lot of inner child work as a part of trauma healing, because, you know, it's like it's not just the memories that happen to you as you remember certain traumatic events as they are occurring, but it's also the perception and the physical sensations and the emotions that you store in our body. Um, You know, it's like gut-wrenching fear or, you know, not being able to say anything or freezing. All of those things happen even as some of these things are triggering. So if you don't take care of it from the very, you know, part of you when you were very young, and as it happened, there there isn't much healing happening. So a lot of people, you know, stay in that victim mentality, or in that negative loop, because it's been etched so much. And that's the neural network that's now so present. And then, you know, it's just, it's hard to come out of that on your own. So having that support is so important, like you
1: mentioned, and it becomes your norm
0: absolutely
1: normal yeah 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 and then you don't even realize you're doing it unless someone says something to you and then and even even when i said to her i think i think you're being negative oh no i'm not i'm just being realistic i hate when people say <laughs> i'm being realistic or the other one i'm just telling you the truth of how it is okay, okay. <laughs> okay. but from over here i see all this potential that you have and what you could do with it and what where you can go with it But unfortunately, you
0: can't see that. And sometimes some people just can't see it and that's okay. But what would you tell for what would you what message can you have for through your wisdom for our my audience, um, you know, that that actually want to now do something about their lives and live their best life. So kind of give us a snippet of, uh, you know, what your best life looks like. What is your best version uh, through this entire process? And, you know, where are you at now? And what did you do to get here?
1: The first thing, and I think this is for everyone, is you have to forgive yourself. Mm. That is the biggest thing. And I hate, sometimes I have, I feel that forgiveness has such a negative quality to the word. Yes. You you get the religious side of it. It's all all kind of wackadoodle on that. But you have to sit there and say, okay, I forgive myself for what happened because I've I've held it responsible that it was my fault for so long. I I created it i caused it if nothing would have happened if i would have been man enough so i guess i'm not you know all these negative things so I think that's the first thing that I do. And I and I am forgiving myself every morning I wake up.
0: Absolutely. And what does oh, forgiveness to you mean, John? Because I think people think, uh, so I want to really, because I, I honestly think uh, that every one of my episodes is going to have forgiveness and the importance of forgiveness because I am such a big believer of it. But most of the time people have a very misconstrued understanding of what forgiveness means. So
1: I agree with you. I, I think forgiveness it's a meaning that has to. You have to create your own meaning to that word, right. and unfortunately, our our language is so limited to what, how many words we get. But right. um, and we overuse some words so many times. I would like to find a new word, but it, it is a system or a belief where I have to actually say to myself, and I still do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're good. Yeah,
0: yeah.
1: what good is, I uh, um, I release. I released yes. any negative feeling about what happened. Yes. I released the person who did it to me. Yes. Numbers of people who did it to me. Yeah. Um, and I release the fact that there was the mixture of enjoyment in there, the, the feeling of my body feeling this way. It was okay. Right. And as soon as I could almost, there you go, it's going back to that little boy. Mm-hmm. In my case, I get stuck at, at 14, 15, and 16. Happy. And each one, I have to. I go back and I say, "Yeah, I'm glad to see you." And look, look, we we've, we've done this, and I and I did this exercise where I go to the little boy. Yeah, and show showing pictures. Yeah, of what I've done since that time.
0: Yeah,
1: and trying to tell him. And I know that sounds crazy, but no, it doesn't. Going, we need to come back together, and the only way that we're going to come back together is if you stop blaming yourself for everything that happened. Absolutely. Hate it. We're, yeah. we're here. We've we've got four books out. where we're, we're speaking to people. We're helping people. Um, we're moving forward with our lives. Yes. Is are there days that are harder than others? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but I think that is the core. The core that you have to do is first you got to be responsible to yourself and say okay I have to get help. Oh yeah. Make that a choice, and sometimes it has to be a. A, a, not a forced choice because you will never do it. Your body will. Right. It's weird. Oh if yeah.
0: Have, no, it's because it's so like there's this fear that you don't want to feel all that pain again and re-traumatize yourself. So I really want to emphasize that that when yes. you do it in a place who is and a person who is trauma informed or a trauma professional or people that know what they're doing in terms of trauma is to create a safe, non-judgmental, very trusting environment. So that you don't re-traumatize the person as you, you know, um, go through their healing process the way they need it. Not the way I need them to do it, but the way they need to experience it, um, this process to unfold.
1: And I think also people have got to realize that they do need help. Absolutely. That makes sense. You can do some, only so much with yourself, yes. by yourself, on your Absolutely. But if you are too ashamed to go talk to someone, I think that's another sign that you have not yet reached that pinnacle of you're ready to change. Absolutely.
0: And the process with therapy is that it's an absolutely confidential process. You know, I think people have this misconception that if I go to therapy, oh, the whole world will know. Well, we don't tell people as therapists that you're coming to us. We, If people call us, you know, in terms of HIPAA and stuff, we're just like, we can't confirm or deny. No, you have the right to your confidentiality. Unless you go out there and tell the whole world that you're in therapy, that's on you. But you don't have to tell the whole world that you are in therapy or you're seeking help
1: for something, you know? And you have the right to take your time to find the therapist that works for you.
0: Absolutely. Oh, my goodness. Yes.
1: And all of a sudden you feel all these red flags coming up. You have the right to say, uh, we got to stop. Thank you very much. This is all I can do. And if you don't want to return, make sure you let them know you're not coming back. Yes. But- but you have a right to interview these people. You're interviewing them just to see. Absolutely,
0: absolutely. So Thanks for mentioning that. Because God. therapeutic alliance and the therapeutic relationship that you have with your therapist is uh, 50% of the healing that happens. Oh. You know, So it's really important that you have a good rapport, that you like the person that you're working with, um, and you, know, you, you trust them with your journey. Because otherwise, if you find the wrong people, you, they re-traumatize you, and that's not what healing should be like
1: right and you got to also realize that verse are very cunning very costly and i'm one of them i had gone through so many therapists where i began to manipulate the situation and this i started to say what i knew that that person wanted to hear me say so that i could get out of that room quicker they were not helping me i was not letting them help me but i could tell you what you wanted to hear right I went through handfuls of those before. You I know, they say
0: this. that our research. There's a whole bunch of studies done on therapy. You know, finding the right therapist. Um, and you know, the the 50% of the people have been to, through two other people before they find the third one. And 40% of the people have been through three other people before they find the fourth right fit okay. for them. So it's really important that you you find the right person for you to help you through this process and you know discover your new future self after you know when. And and I really want to go back to some, something that you were mentioning earlier in terms of forgiveness and inner child work and how important that is, because I know that I, I'm not creating this medium to replace therapy. I'm creating this medium to, you know, help people, educate people and do the self-work that they need to do outside of therapy also. Um, So I really want to mention that that this doesn't replace any medical advice or therapy. But um, in therapy, one of the things that we do, do do is, you know, a lot of inner child work as a process of healing from trauma. And like you were saying, you know, some parts of us stay stuck back there till we resolve it and bring them up to date to who we are. And to me, forgiveness has always been, Meant or meant that, or the way I understood it and the way I teach it is that it, it, forgiveness doesn't mean what happened is right. Just because you decide to forgive someone doesn't mean that it's okay that what they yes. did, is, yes, okay, but it yes. means that you choose to let go of the hold that it's having on you. Forgiveness is more for you and your um journey. The other person will keep them living their lives. You're here suffering, dying, depression, anxiety, and almost ready to kill yourself. They are unscathed by it. So who is it affecting? Us. You know, so it's really important that the forgiveness be looked at from, it's for you, your process, your journey, not for them that it makes it okay for them to just run amok and do whatever it is that they did. And the second part of forgiveness is that, you know, there's a whole concept of boundaries that we don't discuss or get taught in school. I wish instead of sociology or, you know, all the silly classes that I took, I got taught some of these life lessons. (laughs) Um, Boundaries also mean that once you forgive them, doesn't mean that you go out there and start being their BFFs. It just means that, you know, you, 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 Forgive them. You let them go. They have their karma to deal with. And You have your life to deal with. If you choose not to keep in touch with them, that's okay. That doesn't mean that you forgive them and, you know, you start hanging out with them or become their best friend. It it also doesn't mean that you allow them to do that over and over to you again, you know? Mm -hmm. So the the whole concept of forgiveness comes with boundaries. And the other thing that I wanted to mention about inner child work, uh, you know, uh, recently I did a post on one of my social media, you know, being... um, uh, challenged by one of the people that I was working with. And they mentioned, you know, writing a letter to your inner child. And it's really important as a part of, like you were mentioning earlier, you know, it's like, and in, in terms of, I, I, I'm I, specialized in EMDR. So that's some of the stuff that we do as a part of my, you know, additional modality with my EMDR work for sexual trauma or just trauma that that is very hard to overcome and heal is doing a lot of inner child work as an imagining or, you know, writing a letter to your inner child, as you remember that them, your future self standing right there, other people in your life that you are inspired by, not not anyone you're related to mostly, I like like to not let them pick the person that they're related to, but someone who inspires you. So like for my posse, in terms of my forgiveness journey was like Oprah, Princess Diana, Mother Teresa, and Dalai Lama. They all stood by my younger child. And everything that I needed to hear, say, and do as a part of that experience for me they were there helping me because I didn't know what I was doing when I was younger, you know, because a lot of times we have to help our inner child, like you said, yes. and if they don't have the strength, if they don't have the voice, these people or these uh, individual or your future self is your voice of reason so that, and you're, Future self, even you know, it's like uh, t- ten years from now. The amount of journey, uh, wisdom or knowledge, or um, uh, you know, the the version I am today is not going to be who I am ten years later. So if I th- am to think of myself as ten years later, if I have them stand in the picture, what is it that they would want? Would they want me to go out there and beat the crap out of someone, or you know, but uh, you know, do all these things that I am doing as a, as almost like self. Um, inflicting pain no I, I i wouldn't so it's really important that you know as a part of inner child work we let people know to write letters to your inner child with all these people and doing it in your mind's eye and like you said trauma doesn't have language it's right. all these feelings it's all these emotions it's all these things that we feel and hold on to that we need to release as a part of the healing and recovery process
1: that's that's beautifully said you said that great there's a couple of things i want to add real quick please Yes, yes. Talking about therapists, and I wanted to make sure that I share with parents that if your child is going to a therapist, it's the child's choice who the therapist should be. And I am sure you right. understand. That. Yes. The parent think is the best for the child. Absolutely. That's that is always a gray area. It's kind of crazy.
0: Oh, that's true. But I want to add something to that because in California, in different states, there's different, uh, you know, uh, jurisdictions to that. In California, it's 12 years old. So if you're 12 years or older, you can still use their insurance, but I absolutely have to keep it confidential unless they're going to say they're going to kill themselves or someone else, then I have I to know. involve their okay. parents. But Other than that, everything that they say remains confidential between them and I. So it's absolutely important that the child has a good therapeutic relationship with the therapist and not the parent, you know, because otherwise the children don't open up. It's really hard to work with adolescents and finding someone who is, you know, child or adolescent specialist, because like I work with children and I've worked with adolescents, but oh man, let me tell you, it's difficult, but over time. It comes easy to me because I've had that experience in it, but they're not going to just open up to you. No. <laughs> they, they don't talk. They don't open up. They don't trust
1: easily as they shouldn't. And also, do they have the vocabulary to tell you? Absolutely. Exactly. What exactly. And, that's, and I want to touch Thank on you. that forgiveness again. Yes. Uh, because I, I I really get confused when I hear a survivor or a victim. I hate those two words, but it says, I forgive the person who, who, who did this to me. Or if the person who did it to you comes to say, can you please forgive me? Don't. I really don't think yes. you should. Because <laughs> what you're doing is you're letting them off the hook. You already said it. First of all, they're not sitting over there worrying about, you know, what happened. They're probably not even thinking about it. They're thinking about the next time they're going to get something. Right. Uh, yeah, but that's kind of crude. But they're they're on to the next. And what's really sad with a lot of uh, predators is that once they're and they're on to another one. They don't care what happened to that person, especially in athletics. Mm-hmm. So many times as an athlete in the year person comes in, this person's already forgotten about. Yeah. So you, by forgiving them, you're allowing them off the hook for their responsibility of what they did to you. Right. And what they've done to other people. Absolutely. I think that's one of those tricky things. And
0: like you yeah. said earlier, forgiveness is one of those things where we have oh. to find the meaning that fits us and yeah. our healing yeah. and recovery journey. You know, it's not one size fits all and everybody's forgiveness definition looks the same. But overall, it needs to be what it needs to be for you to not just move on from this, ha- what happened, but move forward so that you can thrive from it instead of carrying it all your life and staying in that negative victim loop.
1: And then and the last thing I want to share with you, which I'm doing right now at this time, is I found myself getting caught up with when I was thinking back about the abuse, just the negative things. And there's all these holes. I'm not remembering certain things. So I, I was instructed to create a timeline. Yeah. Going back in the very beginning. And as I started doing this, I found holes. Yes. Years, there's nothing I could write in there. Yeah. Now, slowly little thoughts started coming back into me. Oh, that was the year that we had, uh, I was four and we got dressed up for Easter. Yeah. I got a picture for it. And I started putting pictures. and all of a sudden you start piecing your life together and all these incredible moments that I have completely forgotten about. Yeah. Are there. Yeah. So you start building your life with positivity. Yeah. And all of a sudden you start realizing how much you've wasted your life, giving power to this person and what this person did to you. Absolutely. It's And I'm telling you, it's a living document. I go to look at it every other day or so far, and I'll find something new to add to it.
0: Awesome. No, that's a great idea. That sounds so good. And I think that's easily doable even for people at home and, you know, working even those in therapy and working through things, but as a part of self-work, because like you said, sometimes we get in the negative loop and we forget, you know, um, certain things that did happen that are good and that were fun and that are, you know, a big part of who we are also.
1: Yeah, it's a a great exercise. I think it's uh, something that we all should try to do. And you'll be amazed by how much you really start remembering.
0: Yeah,
1: I'm still shocked. I'm like, oh, my God. And then what happens is you start opening up and you start talking to people. When did we first adopt the puppy dog? Yeah. And then you're like, you got dialogue going with your your family members, your friends. And all of a sudden, instead of isolating yourself, you're not worthy. You start realizing, wait a minute. I remember when we did that. Yeah. So it's a good way to open up communications, and it's helping me move forward and be able to share with people a lot more. I love because it. I could sit there and say, "Oh yeah, I had a good childhood." Yeah, oh, there yeah. Are some some moments that are not so good. But
0: you allowed yourself to be there. You allow yourself to take yourself there. You allowed yourself through this exercise, like you said, creating a living timeline of what happened. You know that the pieces and parts of you that were good and felt whole and enjoyed your childhood,
1: you know, to be present in the moment now.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: That's something we have to really, I have to remind myself every day to be present right now. What's going on right here. If I feel anxiety or stress starting, I I stop myself, take a couple of deep breaths and say, what am I doing at this exact moment? And I do know that when i um, going back and writing my books, I found myself counting things. Mm. So when I was in, in a, a row of an abuse or something, something was happening. I, I remember counting the tiles mm. happening
0: mm-hmm. and that was
1: my way to get through it. Yes. Steps. If I was walking and it's just, it just that kept me in the moment to get through the trauma.
0: Absolutely. So
1: I think we have our ways of surviving and we've got to celebrate those moments as you're going through your healing process. Mm -hmm. Oh, I did this and I did this and I did this, although that was my way to survive.
0: Yep. 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 Wow. Wow. That was amazing, (laughs) John. So let me ask you this. How can, how can we find you? What, what, how, where, where are you reachable? How do we get a hold of you?
1: I have a website called an silence, and that's an athlete ss you know so you have silence silence.com um or you could just google my name okay Anathlete, Silence. John Michael point Lander point. I'll put all your
0: information on the show notes that you provided
1: me I'm on Facebook okay you can find me there as well But those are the easiest places to find me.
0: Can I also have the name of your two books uh, for people if they're interested in you know buying or listening or reading?
1: Now let me tell you the reason I wrote these books. I wrote them as a a a fiction because my dream was that I wanted therapists and. Psychology classes to be able to use the books.
0: I love it. Yeah. But see, most people like reading those kind of books as opposed to, okay, let's sit and talk about mental health and, you know, the theoretical jargon that people don't tend to understand.
1: Exactly. And I think it would be great for students and and professors to talk about, okay, what is your diagnosis of this person at this moment? Right. Go through so many different stages. Yeah. So that was why I started to write them. Mm -hmm. And after the first book, which is called Surface Tension, was in the year. When I was 15 and 16, preparing for the World Games. Wow. And all the things that happened to me up to that point. Uh-huh. All the secrets I had to carry as I went into that competition. in Wow. And so that was kind of crazy. And then the second book, it was supposed to be about my Hollywood years. Oh, wow. Okay. As I was writing it, I kept stopping and stalling. Mm-hmm. And there's this hole in the story. And I had to look at it. And mm-hmm. it was the year that I had when I went to the university on scholarship and what happened when I was stalked by a, a grad student and everything that happened with that. And that tore me up more some more than what happened when I was a, in high school. Wow. So I, I think I got to the point in high school that it was, okay, this is normal. This is what I have to do. Da, 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 da. Just get it over with. Mm-hmm. What this, this person did to me broke me. Wow. So that book is called Crack Surface. Okay. And then the next book will be Shattered Surface. I love it. And then all of a sudden it'll come back. There's a fourth book, hopefully in the works, that will bring everything around circle to where I am today and getting ready to give my speech at, on the TEDx stage.
0: Wow, that is awesome. So Surface Tension, surface and, tension
1: and Back Surface are out right now, and you can perfect. find them on Amazon. Awesome. More.
0: i'll have links to that um on okay. my show notes and would I'd love to have people purchase them and if they're interested and i
1: would love to hear from people if if you read it and you want to write to me please do if you want to give a review please awesome. get that
0: thank you so much john for being with us today if you love what you hear um please forget please don't forget to subscribe um so that you can hear our episodes coming up every weekly on tuesdays and thursdays um, we would really love you to rate and review our episodes so that we can you know, continue to provide more content related to you and all those things that we can do to help you be the best version of yourself. So um, thank you so much for tuning in today. And thank you, John, for joining us.
1: Thank you. And I just want to say to everybody, please support and help this, this podcast work. because uh-huh. you, are, you are changing lives and helping people. Thank and you I, so it's, much. It's all up to the listeners who help yes, support.
0: Absolutely. Because thank you. Thank you, John, yeah. for that. Um, faith uh relentless faith uh, that's awesome i really appreciate you being here and can't wait to have you back some at some point uh,
1: i love talking <laughs> to you we can talk about anything
0: yes thank you john All thank right. you uh, till tune in next time and
1: uh, hope to hear from you soon bye-bye see you next time